Hello, and welcome to the MoGraph Mentor Podcast. My name is Michael Jones. I'm the founder of the program, and I'm also a motion designer myself. In this podcast series, we're talking to artists of all disciplines, seeking insights into the artistic, technical, and professional aspects of motion design. For more information about MoGraph Mentor, check out MoGraphMentor.com. All right, Allison, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Hey, so happy to be here. Uh, first, why don't you just give me a little bit of uh, bio on you, kind of where you're from and what your, um, you know, what the path of your life has sort of looked like to this point. <laughs> you bet. Um, so my name is Allison House. I'm a designer working across multiple creative disciplines in design and technology. Um, I have a background in education and in designing software. So I was the lead designer at a couple education startups, Code Academy and Treehouse. And then more recently, I was a product designer at Dropbox, but now I am just an independent designer. So all of that stuff, all that background has had a very big influence on the way that I work. And less than a year ago, I started getting into motion design. So I'm now in the process of transitioning to that full time. The first thing I want to ask you about, you know, this idea of being prolific uh, and something that you call the second shift technique. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, I have a, a technique I use called second shift. It's basically my method for making time and generating motivation to make things. It's sort of a way to reduce barriers to getting started and to automate prolificness. Um, let me tell you maybe a quick story about prolificness. Um, when I was working at Dropbox, one of my managers had been an early designer at Facebook. And he had a big hand in hiring a lot of exceptional designers there. So I knew some of those designers personally. I knew that they ended up working on really high-impact stuff like um, Facebook Messenger or the news feed. And I also knew they'd been hired straight out of school. They came from UW. So Facebook had kind of rolled the dice on these kids, and the result was explosive value. So I, I had to ask my manager, especially around that time, we're doing a lot of design hiring. So I was trying to learn as much as I could about it. And I asked him, you know, how did you know? Like, how did you predict that these people would be exceptional design hires? And he mm -hmm. began by just saying this one word to me, prolificness. Um, he explained that the quantity of work that they had produced in school far exceeded that of their peers. Um, mm -hmm. And I think something really clicked for me there in terms of growth and how we identify people who have this incredible trajectory that prolificness is one of the strongest indicators. It's something that implies like a, a fast-growing skill set that's going mm -hmm. to continue to rapidly improve. You know what I mean? So from that point then, did you feel like you were prolific up to that point? Or, or was that sort of a turning point to say you, you should begin to look at that more? I think that when I started looking into building my own skill set, so this is after leaving Dropbox, um, I was doing full-time client work, and I wanted to learn new things. And that's sort of where Second Shift showed up. Mm. Um, so Second Shift kind of has three key components. Um, they are, one, the activity has to be chained, a, two, achievable, and then three, have some kind of payoff. So the chained part, um, the, so, every, so for example, like every day I would do client work or every weekday I would do client work and that was my full-time PA. So I would chain this second shift event on the end of my work day. 
Uh, it doesn't matter if the workday ends late or it ends early. I don't take a break. I immediately begin second shift. It triggers the good behavior. So that was one really important part of it. Um, secondly, it has to be achievable. The work for that day's session has to be really easy to do, and that is mm -hmm. to overcome my tendency to dread <laughs> doing side work <laughs> or to procrastinate on side work. Again, it's kind of about eliminating all the barriers to just getting started. So I would give myself like this totally bite-sized assignment. And when I was getting started with motion design, it was pretty much gifts. Those are really, you know, they're just a, like a couple seconds long or one second long. And let me really hone in on something tiny so that I could, one, get it done, and then two, like actually produce something at the end of the day. Um, and the third part is the payoff. And this is sort of the most amorphous, I think. Um, the work you do has to be meaningful. It's something that you've infused with thought and purpose. Mm -hmm. If you just like grind on tutorials, uh, that'll, you know, it'll, you, can, you can get so far with that, but then you lose interest. You lose steam. And momentum is such an important part of learning things quickly, right? Mm. Um, so, that, so a lot of my like, tiny little pieces are I explore the themes of nostalgia or memory or patterns or sequence, uh, sequences. And all this stuff is uh, things that I find personal meaning in. So if, especially if you're doing like a longer project in chunks, that emotional element I think is really key to help you propel yourself forward. How long would you say that you've used this second shift technique? Has it been consistent? Did you take breaks? Uh, what did that look like? I would say, so from the time that I started learning motion design up until uh, the time I hit the road at some point late last year, because I, I um, sort of left home in San Francisco and spent some time building a product design course, which is very different from my usual work. But that was a like 14-hour-a-day gig. So at that point, second shift was sort of put on hold because there was just one, one shift per sure. day. Um, but probably between the time, um, that was a really important uh, part of my learning from the time that I started learning motion design to when I got my first motion design job. And what was that first motion design job? Um, my first motion design gig was doing, uh, well, designing and directing a music video. This is actually kind of a big one. <laughs> designing and directing a music video for a band called Tweety. And for anyone who's not familiar, this is a band started by the legendary frontman of Wilco, Jeff Tweety, uh, mm -hmm. and his son, who's the drummer, mm -hmm. Spencer Tweedy. Yeah, they're um, super cool. And it just, you know, like creative powerhouses, right? Total honor to work with them. How long had you been attempting to learn motion design before you got the opportunity to, to produce that? Um, probably a month or two. Wow, that's very, very fast. <laughs> um, well, so part I mean, of your, that your back, is... Your background as a visual artist, I, you know, for, for me, so I do MoGraph Mentor, and we see a lot of people come into the program wanting to learn motion design, and the individuals who have a design background specifically, maybe versus like a video editing background, are always mm -hmm. typically leaps and bounds ahead because the first part of the job is, is the visual, to be a visual artist, to present... Uh, things visually and then learning to make things move uh, can come a little bit quicker. I don't know if you felt like that was your experience, but with, with a month turnaround, I assume that was probably a big part of it. 
Sure. I think it's a couple things. I think that's definitely one of them. Um, you know, even when we're designing software or some of these other sort of creative realms that I like to explore, there's often this um, inclination for beginners to focus strictly on the technical. So for example, yeah. I'm interested in motion design. I'm going to learn the ins and outs of, of After Effects. I'm going to learn everything about it, right? But that's not enough. Yep. Because the problem solving component and the strategy component, those mm. are so, so, so important, right? And those are really the things that separate the very, very best designers from sort of the more like technical folks, the ones that can just get the job done if given a certain set of requirements. Yeah, what initially drew you to, to motion design? Um, I was kind of, I guess when I, when I left Dropbox, this is uh, maybe a year and a half ago now, um, I, I was kind of in the state of dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. um, I was, I, it was sort of like a, a dissatisfaction with the ability to express myself creatively. So I started up my own shop, but something about my work still felt very sterile. I think I'd spent a long time doing work for other people, and I think I, I felt like uh, I'd lost my voice along the way. Mm. Um, so around that time, I, I played... Uh, Kentucky Route Zero. Have you ever heard of this game? Yeah, is this like a PC game? It's a, it's, yeah, it's like a, an indie game. Um, oh, no, no, I've never heard of it. It's a great game. Um, it's a, if you like a, the southern gothic genre, it, it sort of falls into that. Um, but the, the story just like did my head in when I played it. And then I think True Detective came out around that time mm -hmm. as well. And again, like story-wise, it just it, it destroyed me. And I couldn't get my head around that level of narrative command. And I felt like that's what mm -hmm. I was missing, like atmosphere and character and story and like all these things that made my imagination just go wild. I wanted to find that in my own work. So I did a lot of experimentation. Um, I tried to build my own typeface. I got to try to get better with JavaScript. Like I'm, you know, kind of all over the place, just trying to find something that I could connect to. Uh, and I think every creative like understands that feeling where you just connect with your tools and you're like, yes, this is it. I feel great. Um, and at some point, I made a GIF, my first ever GIF, and it was so simple, but something like started to stir. And I, you know, it's the hardest to describe feeling. It's like kind of hard to capture. Um, but I, I had to chase it down. So I kind of mm -hmm. used the second shift technique to produce an enormous amount of work to continue chasing down that feeling, exploring that feeling after sort of the, the product design work that I was doing on the day to day. And then by the time Tweety came a knocking in June, I had way more than a portfolio's worth of work to show them. I think something else I want to ask you, since you have this background in education, um, mm -hmm. you know, where where do you see continuing education going? You know, like we have these online programs, we have these companies like General Assembly and the Iron Yard, these startups that are doing these more low cost physical location stuff. Um, I, I yep. wonder what you see in terms of value to students and to consumers. Um, of, of where this is kind of all heading uh, in terms of continuing education, people having to constantly reinvent themselves and, and learn new things. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen so many changes in that space happen over the last five or ten years. A lot of it has, of course, come online. Codecademy and Treehouse are great examples of that. And we've seen, um, you know, initially 
it was sort of a, a duplication of the classroom format. Uh, we mm -hmm. would record what were effectively lectures. Um, Linda is yep. probably one example of this where it's sort of like a classroom series but in video format. Um, and that is you know, somewhat more consumable, but it also, you know, there are a lot of the same issues with that and being in the classroom. Yeah. Um, so then it evolved slightly more uh, with Code Academy. There's this interactive component. I think Treehouse has that built in now too. And, you know, there, of course, there are hundreds of other services. I'm just very familiar with those for, yeah, for obvious yeah. reasons. Um, but this like idea of um, you know somebody teaches us a little something and then we can take action right after that and that's great right then we mm -hmm. we can you know lock that into our mind and we can get we get the muscle memory around it and we can continue to do that for me the next step and we're starting to see this now there's a lot of boot camps popping up right a lot mm -hmm. of these you know uh, in larger cities we see a lot of folks that are willing to teach this stuff in person because I yeah. think that after all this time and all this effort. We we notice that it's not quite enough. That you know, a, when you when you look at the classroom experience, the teacher's job is not to port information from point A to point B, right? It's mm -hmm. about um, inspiring people to learn more about the subject. You know, sh showing what's great about it, giving context or, or real world experience. There's all kinds of these added benefits of working with somebody who has experience in a certain area. So we see these boot camps popping up that I think are a response to that. Um, and, and I think more and more we're going to see that we need to continue to bring in the human component yeah. for people to really be able to absorb material. You know, mentorship is also huge. A uh, mm. big part of the reason I went to Dropbox is because I had been the lead designer at two jobs in a row, and I hit my ceiling. I'm like, mm -hmm. all right, I, I know what I'm doing. That's great, but I'm pretty sure I can learn more. How do I do that? I find a lot of people who know way more than I do who are you know, real experts in the field, world class, and go work with them for a while and see what happens. Mm -hmm. What is on the horizon for you in terms of education? You said you, you put together a course. Do you have any uh, intention of doing like live boot camps or anything like that? Um, yeah, I mean, I just finished up this boot camp late last year. And this, you know, I think part of my motivation for that was I'm um, sort of closing out that chapter of my career. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure that I share what I know with yeah. as many people as possible before I start switching things around a little bit. And I hope that as I, you know, learn more about motion graphics and, and design that I'll be able to share some of my journey along the way. Uh, in the meantime, I am just pushing out as much work as possible and showing people how I do it as I go along. What what has you excited about motion graphics looking forward or, you know, what type of, of projects or challenges do you, you know, sort of hope to face with that going forward? Um, I don't, man, that's such a good question. I really enjoyed what I worked on with Tweety and I'm sort of just now getting back into, uh, I spent, you know, like six months traveling and then also uh, building that course. So I'm kind of just getting back into doing client work. So I'm kind of hoping to do uh, more of the same in that respect. I don't know if you're familiar with this guy named Nick Campbell. Uh, Grayscale yes, Gorilla, you, yeah. you probably are. Yeah. Um, you know, it, in so many words, he's been a big advocate of being prolific, his idea of putting something out every single day or every single week, um, that that consistency is good to grow you. But mm -hmm. also in terms of finding new opportunities, being consistent online seems to yield new opportunities and new relationships versus 
you know, you go silent for six months and then you post something and, and then no one cares <laughs> <laughs> at that point. Totally. Absolutely. I love Grayscale Gorilla. They are sort of where I got started. And then I think mm. like a month later, I started posting all this stuff. And Nick was so kind as to share my work on their Facebook page. And then, mm. <laughs> and then I, like, my Tumblr followers just exploded. Oh, um, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, I really like his perspective and sort of the, his uh, philosophy behind how we learn. You know, what advice would you give to a, to a young designer or a young uh, motion designer that wants to work in that rapid startup style environment? Um, you know, what... Mm -hmm. what what are they what are they looking for uh, in individuals sure um so yeah as i mentioned i think prolificness is a huge yeah. one but fundamentally like when you're a junior designer you are trying to prove that you have a crazy trajectory right mm. that you are going to be incredible you're not necessarily mm. trying to prove that you're incredible right now so one yeah producing a ton of work is a big part of that i think process is also something that can show people how you like to work, who you are, how you think about things. Um, so maybe a couple things to say there. One is to document your process. Definitely yeah. early on when I was like a kid just screwing around with stuff, not realizing that it could turn into a job someday, I didn't save anything. You know, I saved over mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, I just had this sort of final output of those you know, ta-da. Um, but it's so useful to see the artifacts, the sort of results, right, the, 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 the byproducts, I guess is, is one way to put it, about of, of the process. It really helps you understand how they think about things. And, and um, I love seeing that in an interview process. So when I'm evaluating somebody as a designer that I want to hire, uh, I need to not just see like this final pretty polished work, but also how they got there. Mm -hmm. um, I think another part of the process is your strategy. How did you, how did you make decisions? Um, and mm -hmm. one of the sort of key concepts there is to prioritize, right? Um, so I, I think like if I were to summarize like how I approach everything, <laughs> how I approach um, building software or um, doing a speed painting or you know learning learning motion design. Um, it's sort of a, a three-step process of one, going wide, getting a lay of the land, mm -hmm. two, prioritizing what's important based on what I learned about the landscape, and then three, deep diving on those imp the important things in order of priority. Um, so for example, like I do a lot of speed paintings or just to, to stay sharp. So for example, if I'm doing a speed painting, I, I need to roughen the subject before I can start painting into detail so I can see where things go, then I need to prioritize. In the case of a, a portrait painting, I need to prioritize the face, right? If I don't finish in 20 minutes, what do I want to have done? Well, mm. the eyes are going to be really important. I could do nothing but the eyes. Maybe that would be fine, right? I could get away with it. Uh, then maybe the nose and the mouth, and, and you sort of expand out from there. So having some sense of prioritization when you want to move quickly is important. I think this is especially important in software. Mm -hmm. And then you can go deep, right? Get going deep is just taking action, right? Getting things done. But this is something that um, I, this sort of concept, this approach is something that comes from my background in building software, this sort of quick, iterative approach, choosing what's important right now, getting it done, repeating the process over and over and over and over again. So I think if you're interested in working in software, 
make your creative process reflect the software development process. That way it's much easier to work in that context. Um, Allison, thank you so much for this amazing advice and sort of sharing your vision and your heart for, for this type of work and for learning things rapidly and for being prolific. I'm inspired and I know everyone listening is going to be incredibly inspired by this. Thank you so much for <laughs> taking the time. Yeah, go get them, folks. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the MoGraph Mentor Podcast. In this series, we're going to be talking to artists of all disciplines, seeking out insights into the artistic, technical, and professional aspects of working in motion design. For more information about MoGraph Mentor, check out MoGraphMentor.com.